Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,628. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! I'm revved up and very excited today to share with you a very unique and different kind of guest we're going to be talking to today. Very important you listen to the show because it very well might save your life or the life of somebody else. That's how serious it is uh, by the name of Jerry Cox. Hey, Jerry, welcome to Cars Yeah! Since we're talking safety, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled up and ready for a horror story. Okay, well, we will definitely be sharing that. But before we jump into that and before I give you a proper introduction, I want you to share something with my listeners that maybe most people don't know about you. Something they don't know about me. Well, one thing people might not know is that way back early in my career, I had a hand in getting the requirement for airbags in cars, getting that adopted. There was much more of a fight over it uh, than people realize. It took 30 years from the time Ralph Nader popularized the idea in uh, the mid-1960s until about 1990, when uh, the car manufacturers really started employing airbags and Mm -hmm. and, uh, installing airbags in their uh, various makes and models of cars. Wow. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about this, but let me give a proper introduction here to Jerry. Jerry Cox is a Washington, D.C.-based lawyer and crisis communications advisor with 40 years of experience with airbags in automobiles. He played a substantial role in implementing the airbag requirement and has represented numerous auto industry organizations, including the Used Car Dealers Association, Auto Auctions, Carfax, and State Motor Vehicle Administrators. The Takata Corporation hired him back in 2014 to help explain a problem the company was having with its airbags. They were blowing up in drivers' faces, shooting shrapnel, killing, and severely injuring people. Jerry explains in his new book titled Killer Airbags, The Deadly Secret Auto Automakers don't want you to know how that turned into the biggest recall of any consumer product in history and what people can do to protect themselves right now. And I will say that I've had several vehicles that have had to have those airbags replaced twice, actually, and we'll talk about that. And you know what? Jerry is being very kind today. He's going to give away 10 of his books to 10 Lucky Cars Yes subscribers. Just go to my website, click on the free book button. You'll get my filler up book. Your name will go in a hat to get a copy of this book. Important book. And you know what? Even if you don't win a book, go get one of these. Because as I said, this is a serious talk today. You could save your own life or the life of a loved one or a friend. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Jerry. But first, a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. So, We're talking safety here. Keep your seatbelt on, sit tight, and we will be right back. Did you know Covercraft offers you much, much more than car covers, floor mats, seat covers, and trunk liners? When you visit Covercraft.com, you'll find Cologne Custom Bras, Labra Front End Covers, and hood protectors that protect your vehicle's front end while on a road trip. No more rock chips or hours removing nasty bug jerky from your grill and your paint. You'll find vehicle seatback organizers that keep everything in check, perfect for those kids in the back seat. Spidey gear webs that keeps cargo that's in your truck bed safely in place. Seat heaters, cargo bars, pro nets, rooftop carriers 
bumper frames, bump steps, pet ramps, pet travel barriers to keep Fido in the back seat, tire covers, Carhartt backpacks, cooler bags, tote bags, tool bags, and zippered tote bags to keep everything secure. And don't forget their dash mat dashboard covers that shield the sun's damaging UV rays. Covercraft offers you an incredible list of solutions for your favorite rides. They're easy to install, easy to remove pet protection pads, are easy to wash too, and protect your floors and seats from Fido's damaging claws and messy fur and air. And here's something special from me here at Cars Yeah. If you use the code Yeah120 at checkout at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off on me. Covercraft.com. Go there and use the code Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout for that 10% discount. Covercraft, they've got you covered. When it was time to renew my last policy for my collector car, my carrier's rates went up. They went way up. But my usage was the same, and I never had made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? I was too. So I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, am I glad I did. I'm saving hundreds of dollars. I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provide me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a history of taking care of their clients. What could be better than that? Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Jerry, um, we're back and I would like to start this show with you perhaps sharing a mantra or a success quote. Some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires spinning here on Cars, yeah? So grab the wheel. Well, I am literally from Missouri, so I only believe things when I see them. (laughs) And uh, my mantra would probably be, I am not making this up. Uh, You know, I go after stuff and try to get to the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, it is not easy, especially in Washington, D.C. Ah, I can't even imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Let's not go down that path. Uh, We'll get caught in a quagmire. But, you know, uh, attorneys, I had an experience this past year, my first time actually getting called on jury duty, actually not getting called. I've been called many times, but it never came through. But this one did. I spent a week in court sitting uh, as a jury member, and I was very proud to do that. I think it's so important. You always hear about people trying to get out of jury duty, but this is a vital part of our life. And sitting there in front of attorneys who were trying to take this case apart and kind of show us what this person had done, which turns out we we did find that person guilty, was very intriguing to me, but it was nothing like TV. You know, I was waiting for it to be like TV, but finding the truth. This is what we're going to talk about, this very important book you've written today. And I want to take a dive into this right away because this this is near and dear to my heart. Um, I had several BMWs that had those Takata airbags that were replaced and then replaced again. So let's take a dive, start at the beginning, kind of walk us through what brought you into this, which eventually led to this book, which is so important, and all the layers of this onion you started to unravel. That is a very good way to describe it. It's one heck of an onion, and it definitely smells. Mm, Um, We have a system of uh, auto safety 
uh, regulation that is just absolutely corrupt. I had a chance to see uh, how it operated on the inside. When I was hired by Takata, the American executives saw that the Japanese company that they worked for had been hiding. They knew that they'd been hiding some really crucial facts about the choice of ammonium nitrate to inflate the airbags. Mm -hmm. And they knew questions were coming. They knew there were going to be problems. And uh, they figured it was time to get somebody in to try to help them figure out how to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with crisis communications, your job is to tell the truth slowly. Uh, if you just blurt out everything that had gone wrong in a company or with a product, you just bankrupt the company and leave people high and dry. And the American executives I worked with, I think, recognized that there were things the company could do to fess up, to start fessing up about the mistakes that had been made in manufacturing but most importantly, for them to acknowledge that the fundamental decision they made to design all of their airbags with ammonium nitrate instead of uh, other substances that every other company was using, that that had been a really bad mistake and that um, those uh, uh, airbag inflators were going to deteriorate over time. So they could start working with their customers, the car manufacturers, to start recalling and replacing those uh, with inflators that didn't operate on ammonium nitrate. And they could have worked it out in a way that wouldn't have bankrupted the company. And they, they wanted somebody who could help them do that. They brought me in, shared with me the correspondence that was going on amongst all the people, both in Japan and around the world, who were going to be asked questions about this and ask for advice about how to how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so that was in January of 2014. And I told them, number one, you have to tell the truth. One of the American executives got on an airplane, went to Tokyo, met directly with the chairman of the company and said, this is what we need to do. And the chairman of the company said, I don't think so. I don't think so. And oh, my gosh. I don't think so. Yeah, nah. <laughs> and in, in Polar Airbags, it tells you exactly what that exchange, what that conversation was. When we retried uh, the, uh, to, to get the idea across to them that they needed to uh, start telling the truth and start dealing uh, with this, so we took another stab in October of 2014, and that proposal landed on the chairman of the company's desk the same day he got a proposal from a former U.S. Secretary of Transportation, mm. and that who had become a consultant for them. And that former U.S. Secretary of Transportation told them, oh, gosh, you don't need to do all these things that are going to hurt your business and cost you so much money. What you need to do is to recruit more, quote, allies and confidants in Washington. Wow. In other words, the idea was to scare away the people who were going to be coming after Takata and uh, to try to avoid having to do those additional recalls. Wow. And so, you know, I, by the time we got, with, there were a couple of congressional hearings in November and December of 2014, and the American executives that I worked with and I just agreed that this company is kind of a dead man walking, and uh, we mutually agreed to part company. No kidding. Well, do you feel that the, the, from the original comment, nah, I don't want to tell the truth, to the second one, which 
this uh, individual who used to work in the government got involved and steered them down the path. Was this strictly, you know, we always say follow the money. Was this strictly about money or was there a pride issue involved? Because sometimes that's a piece of it as, as well or a personal piece of it with the chairman of this company that he didn't want to save face or look bad or was it a combination of all those things? This company had a history of calculating very precisely what recalls would cost them and also recognizing that the longer they could delay issuance of the recall, the more money they would save. Mm -hmm. And that's for a really simple reason that the recall notices, we're still in 1966 at the U.S. Transportation Department. The recall notices go out in snail mail and they look like junk mail. Mm -hmm. And if the longer you wait to send those out, the longer you can put off doing the recalls, the less chance there will be that they will actually get to the people who have the cars. Those notices go to the people who bought the cars, not the people who have them. Mm -hmm. And so when those arrive, you know, they're thrown in the trash. Uh, People can't read them because they don't speak English. You know, and you've got 12, 13, 14 year old cars and the percentage of people who are actually going to show up at a dealership and demand the free repair goes down dramatically. When the number of people who do that goes down dramatically, you save billions of dollars. A stall tactic. It's a stall tactic because it just goes over the cliff. You know, you get uh, to cars that are, oh, you know, six or eight years into a recall, whatever's still outstanding, it's never going to get fixed. You have maybe a 15% chance. And the government has those statistics. They keep them they know that the repair rates are absolutely terrible, even for new recalls, and, and just ridiculously bad for cars that are, you know, for recalls that are, have been out there for a long time. Right. You know, you sent me, and I'll put a link to this on Jerry Shonos page on the Car Show website. There's a scene out of the great movie from an even better book, Fight Club where Edward Norton is playing the narrator, of course, who he's his alter ego, Tyler Durden, played yeah. by Brad Pitt, where he's on an airplane talking with a lady, and he's he's mentioning what you just said. We take X, Y, Z cost equals, you know, and this is how we make decisions on whether we should do recalls. Uh, and he's playing somebody who works in a car manufacturer. And if it went so deadly, it would be funny. Uh, but it sounds like it's exactly what was kind of going on. The Fight Club formula is very much at work, and it's even worse than what he laid out in the movie, because the formula was A times B times C, and does that number, C is the cost of doing the recalls, I mean, I'm sorry, paying paying damages to people, Mm -hmm. does that equal more or less than the cost of a recall? And if it's less than, if it's more than the cost of a recall, they don't do one. That he makes that point very clear. Um, but it's even worse now because when Takata went bankrupt, there aren't any damage awards. He right. talks about out-of-court settlement. That doesn't happen because all you can do at this point is go to a Harvard Law professor and file a form. And the professor has already announced that under the best of circumstances, you might get six cents on the dollar for your injuries or for your loss of a family member. You might get six cents on the dollar. So C is now zero. So it's A times B times zero is going to be zero. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. When um, I know you were, you've been interviewed many times about this and you talk about it in the book. And that basically is that if you say, well, which cars are affected? Your comment is you'd better ask which ones aren't. 
because so many are. I mean, how many cars are we talking about here? There are at least 12 million cars on American roads that have been recalled, where it is 100% certain that those have safety-related defects. Those can kill you. There are 12 million of them that are out there today that have not been fixed. 12 million. 12 million. The half of the 12 million uh, are in the highest priority groups because you mentioned you know that you were kind of a victim of this schedule of replacing things more than once and right. things but well, driver side different passenger yeah. side yeah you know, all that kind of stuff is because they set up priority groups and in the first four priority groups there are six million so these are older cars that have been exposed to a great deal of humidity and temperature cycling, the kind of thing that makes the ammonium nitrate break down inside the canister. When it breaks down, you have more surface area, mm-hmm. kind of getting into the chemistry here. Right. When you have more surface area with an explosive, you're going to get a bigger boom. And instead of just inflating a cushion, just pushing thrust through some nozzles, uh, the entire canister explodes. It, it basically becomes a hand grenade. The thing that I think would shock your listenership, your audience, given that uh, they all like cool cars yeah. and, and it's just an amazing thing what you do with your site, uh, with your cool cars. Thanks. And, uh, but the reason I picked the Mercedes um, to send my picture to you, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to include in the picture I sent to you, is because Mercedes, for all the money you spend for Mercedes, Mercedes is dead last. They have the worst record in terms of repairing and removing those Takata airbags. There are a half million Mercedes included in in those 12 million that have been recalled and not fixed. Half a million of those are Mercedes. They have left 60% of their Takata airbags in their cars. And BMW is not a heck of a lot better. They have a third of a million still Mm -hmm. out there. And the uh, Jaguar has done much, much better. Jaguar is at 84% repairs, mm-hmm. whereas you know BMW is only at maybe about 60% or 70%, uh, actually less than 60%, and Mercedes is, is, is at 60% and is dead last. My gosh. And I wish, yeah, I wish you would or somebody would go to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which provides these statistics. I wish you would go to them and ask, why? How can a, any manufacturer be allowed to keep 60% of these deadly inflators in their cars. Why are those still there? Is there an answer to that that you know of? I see no answer from NHTSA because, and one thing I would suggest is you would want to go to the NHTSA administrator, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the agency is supposed to have a head. There's supposed to be somebody in charge. Right. Well, good luck because nobody, the Trump administration has never appointed anybody to be an NHTSA administrator. Hmm. Nobody's home. The hmm. lights are on, but nobody's home. <laughs> wow. And that was true for over a year in the Obama administration as well. This is not a partisan issue. This mm-hmm. is a systemic breakdown in the way we go about regulating motor vehicle safety. Um, because like I said, Obama had uh, nobody in that job for more than a year and only appointed somebody when the Takata scandal broke. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he came in and signed off on that administrator, a guy named Mark Rosekind, came in and signed off on a plan that this very complicated uh, system with uh, priority groups and so forth. He came in, he signed off on it. He presented it to Anthony Fox, who was Obama's secretary of transportation. Anthony Fox did the honors of going out and announcing, well, we, we have this this plan for the Takata airbags. And Fox said, it's a mess. That's an exact quote. It's a him. mess. <laughs> Wow. If it's a mess, then why are you approving it? Right. Well, the answer was because they ran out of time. The Obama administration was ending, and uh, all of these people uh, had jobs already lined up with car companies. So the revolving door uh, mm-hmm. was working just fine, and they yeah. went right straight out of the government and right straight into jobs that would pay them more in a year than they would make in 10 years in government. Of course. Yeah, the way it works. Wow. Well, well let's talk a little bit more about this book. I always ask my guests uh, about a big challenge they face, and I want to stay on track with this book because it's so important. Again, the title is Killer Airbags, The Deadly Secret Automakers Don't Want You to Know by author Jerry Cox, our guest today. Let's talk about one of the biggest challenges you faced in writing this book. What was it? It was a moral decision. I had to, I just tortured myself for years about whether I even could go public with this. Could I actually tell people what was happening and, you know, what went down with this as an example, but what is a problem that could bite us down the road with some other problem with cars? Right. Other things just pop up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, could I, could I, did I dare go out and tell people this? Would I be crushed? Would I be attacked the way Ralph Nader was attacked in the 60s when he wrote Unsafe at Any Speed? And Ralph took a look at the draft and went through it and made some corrections about the things that um, uh, had been done to him. And that section of the book is called Killing the Messengers. Mm. (laughs) Because that's what they tend to do if uh, if people let this be known. And so I, I really um, had to decide whether uh, to proceed with this or to just take it out to the fire pit in my backyard and burn it and decided that I could not look at myself in the mirror. I could not bear the thought of letting people die because of the greed of all of these people who are involved in the process, because individuals, I mean, there really is a price tag on all our heads. That is absolutely true. The fight club formula is there. It's true. It's not really funny. It's it's in the works. It's what's happening. Mm-hmm. So people have to really look out for themselves. It is a do-it-yourself project. It is something everybody has to do for themselves. Nobody should wait for, and the book goes into detail about specific action items that you can take. One is, for heaven's sake, don't wait for a piece of paper to come in the mail before you, um, you know, fix a defect or before you go looking to see whether you have a defect in your car, you can go to a website the government puts up and try to type in correctly all 17 digits in your VIN, or you can go, if you have an iPhone, there's an app that you can, um, upload and you can take a picture of a license plate, your license plate or, you know, your teenage child or your child's friend or whomever, you can take a picture of their license plate and it is supposed to match it up with a VIN and then run it against the NHTSA database. And access to both of those things can be found at killerairbags.com, which is the website for the book. So I tried to really build some resources in there, but I'm going to go out and tell people this is a do-it-yourself project. I felt obligated to actually help people, to let people know where to go 
uh, in order to get the help that they need. And all of that stuff, it's all free. So you can find that out. It's free to find it, and it's free to fix it. The trick is you have to go to your dealer. And what we have seen is that not only are the manufacturers doing things like what Mercedes has done and dragging uh, out the process of, of recalling vehicles and so forth, not only are the manufacturers doing that, but the dealers are telling people things like, don't worry about it. The AP reported uh, a couple months ago about a Mercedes owner. You know, she had an airbag. She knew that the airbag was defective. She took it to her dealership. And the service manager said, well, don't worry about that Takata airbag. Nobody's ever died in a Mercedes mm. <laughs> from a Takata airbag. Like, you want to be the first? Right. That, I mean, that's just, that, that is not what the law requires them to do. Same problem with repair shops. I mean, I suppose there probably are a lot of Mercedes owners, for example, who get their repairs done at independent shops. Mm-hmm. The independent shops are not authorized to do the uh, recall repair. Mm. Okay. That's important. It's very important to know that they're not authorized to do that. And they have no reason, no financial reason, at least, to tell you that and to send you to a Mercedes dealer's repair shop because, right. you know, they could steal their business right. away from yeah. them. The last thing so generally speaking, yeah, generally speaking, they don't tell consumers that. You really have to be very aggressive yourself about that. And also, uh, nobody in government's doing anything. Like I said, try getting an answer from NHTSA as to why there are 12 million recalled and not fixed, why there are half a million Mercedeses out there, why 60% of their recalled um, vehicles are unrepaired. The federal government's doing nothing, and the state governments aren't doing anything to help you either. DMVs are all about keeping the line moving. And I should know because the American Association of Motor Vehicle Administrators is a former client of mine. Um, And, uh, you know, so all they want to do is move the line, collect the 20 bucks or whatever that you owe them for your uh, registration. And and they have immediate access to the fact that the vehicle, the VIN that you're handing over to them, they can tell immediately that that car has an outstanding safety recall and perhaps even a, a defective Takata airbag. They don't tell you. Well, we could talk for hours about experiences at the DMV. Well, that'd be like going to the DMV, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. Spending hours. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but there again, there's a breakdown in the in the system that could protect and save people. I want to make a special note here for you listeners, and that is Jerry Cox is not making a dime on this book. If you're sitting here going, oh, he's just trying to sell books, that's not true, correct? That is absolutely right. All proceeds will go to transportation-related, uh, uh, transportation safety-related charities. Wow. You know, it's tremendous what you're doing, Jerry. Um, I can't thank you enough. And that's why I thought it was so important to have you on the show today, because there's probably a lot of people out there listening. They're going, what? Now, I I have the experience of having those bags replaced, so I know about it. I'm a car guy. Most of our listeners are car people. They're enthusiasts. So they take probably more careful attention. But you brought up an important point. A lot of people have never even gone to a car dealership to have their car fixed. They don't. They either think it's too expensive or they just don't do it. They buy used cars. They have their mechanic or they do the work themselves. They would have no idea that this kind of a recall is happening. And you're right. Those recalls, when they show in the mail, they look like junk mail. They really do. They don't look that important. They don't look like something that you should pay attention to. In fact, sometimes I've gotten them. I've almost tossed them and I've gone, wait a minute. And then I look a little deeper and going, oh, wait, this is important. 
they don't do a good job. So I'm really, really appreciative that you're sharing this with us today. We're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors. And we come back. I want to talk a little bit on the more positive side here about your life and your passion for cars. But we're going to stay on this trend because this is a really important message. So sit tight, stay still, and we'll be right back. Let's step away from the conversation to talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through automotive-related events, car shows, and drives. Among those nonprofits is RPM Foundation, a terrific organization working to keep our favorite collector cars on the road. RPM was created to ensure that the specialized skills needed to care for classic automobiles, boats, and motorcycles continue to be passed down from generation to generation. They do this by supporting training for young people with a passion for restoration and setting them up with mentors who can share their valuable knowledge. So far, they've awarded more than $3.5 million to restoration education projects across 35 states. Incredible! To learn more about RPM or to donate to their mission, visit www.rpm.foundation. You'll be glad you did. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Racer and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, founded Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series. These are four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, Precision, engineering, science, wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends, titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Apex. It's a rich and complex blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and Cabernet Franc. This blend is a showcase of perfection and hits the Apex with its full-bodied smooth finish. An added very cool option is the label. It's a multi-dimensional rumble strip apex, reminiscent of Turn 4 at Laguna Seca. The racing series is a spectacular gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, at checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of the wines from the racing series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com today and use the code CARSYEAH. Cheers! My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. 
If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH, and you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right, $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yow for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. All right, we're back. Uh, you know, I'd love to uh, lighten the story just a little bit here and talk about you and, and the passion you have for cars. You mentioned that beautiful Mercedes that you sent me a picture of for your show notes page. Nice car. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew, besides law, that you were a bit of a car guy? <laughs> well, it was kind of hard to be a car guy when you go off to law school uh, in the mid-1970s. My car was a 1969 Buick Skylark. Okay. Uh, with with the swept tail. And by the time I finished law school, the back end had rusted out so much that you could see what was in the trunk from outside <laughs> of the car. Yes. Unsafe at any speed. Yeah, it's not, it's not so easy that you graduate law school with a ton of student debt because I was at Princeton undergrad oh, goodness. Uh, in New Jersey. And it was so easy to go to New York or Philadelphia on the train or a bus. That was an easy thing to do. So I didn't have a car there when I was in college. But one of the things I learned from the people I started working with when I got into these very fancy law firms is that when you go from a meh car to a nice car, you just cannot go back. No. <laughs> uh, you know, cars are, are really important right? for anybody who has a, a commute. It's extremely important to have one that is that works well, that gets you where you need to go, that's reasonably efficient. But for heaven's sake, like everything else in life, what is wrong with having a little bit of style? <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. It really, it doesn't cost that much more to have style as well as fuel efficiency or you know, low repair bills or whatever. Style is really important. And uh, that's why, you know, I have uh, now had, um, I don't know if I should say which manufacturer, but uh, you can edit this out if you need to. But uh, uh, I've been an Audi buyer. I must have owned nine or ten Audi. Oh, they're uh, wonderful. I, you know, I love the the way Audi's come along. And if you think about Audi as a brand, way back when I was a little kid, my parents bought an Audi 100 LS and it was the worst car they ever owned. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's just horrible. But of course, Audi's come a long way. The Audis nowadays are beautiful cars. They're really nice. They're well-made. They look great. They do everything. I mean, they've really come a long, long way since uh, that late 60s era of those Audis when they started bringing those cars to the U.S. Is there a first car in your life that was really special for you? Maybe after you got out of law school and you started getting some uh, big boy checks in the mail uh, from your your working (laughs) life. Uh, Was there a first car you bought yourself to kind of reward yourself? Well, my wife and I bought a um, BMW 318. We called it the training Beamer. Okay. <laughs> that vehicle was so underpowered, but golly, it was fun to drive. We both loved driving it. Yeah. We brought both of our kids home from the hospital when they were born in that car. We had it, and the kids are six years apart, so we kept that car for quite a while. And I was working for the old uh, ADT Automotive Auto Auction Company at that time. You know, I, I really... it. it pained me enormously to dispose of that car to sell it uh to to you know to resell it and i took it to their uh, baltimore washington auto exchange so that i could get the best auction price off of it and i didn't have to deal with the buyers it just let a dealer take it and i uh, got a very very nice price off of that partly might have been a little bit of thumb on the scale with my auction clients uh up there but i got a very nice price on it and felt that I had gotten my money's worth out of it. There had been some mechanical issues with it 
uh, with the engine particularly, but uh, we we drove the wheels off of that one. We liked that one a lot. And prior to that, we were driving a Chevy Chevette. That's what my wife. Uh, <laughs> well, that was a junk. <laughs> Oh, it was the most awful thing on the face of the earth, and uh, we could not wait to get rid of it. Um, but I do remember, I think you'll like this, um, I still had the 1969 Buick Skylark. It only had a two-point seat belt in it, okay, and yeah. um, but it had a great engine. I mean, that thing uh, was, um, you know, it was really powerful. I could jump onto the freeway real fast with that thing. But I took it, I was with a very fancy law firm in Kansas City right after I got out of law school. And uh, the they called me up. I, I took it into a repair shop, and the woman called me up, and she said, well, your car's ready to pick up. And she says, um, do you mind if I ask you, what in the hell is a lawyer from Blackwell Sanders doing with this car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just said, student loans. Yeah. Student loans. Takes she a said, while. oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that was um, – that was uh, kind of, uh, uh, and we actually drove it back to Washington when Jack Danforth asked me to come and do the Commerce Committee transportation stuff uh, for him. Uh, he chaired the Senate Commerce Committee, which has jurisdiction over this, and mm-hmm. which historically, you know, has been the hotbed of auto safety legislation in the uh, in the government. I mean, all of the the Motor Vehicle Safety Act from '66, um, other consumer uh, laws that have passed since then came out of that committee. And um, one of the quotes that we use, I was on the brief in the Supreme Court case to cancel the uh, Reagan administration's uh, cancellation of the airbag rule. And one of the quotes that I used in the brief was something that the Senate Commerce Committee had put in one of the reports, and that is that safety shall be the overriding consideration. You know, that there were people way ahead of me who believed that. I believe it. Jack Danforth who is still healthy and, and doing well and doing good works uh, in St. Louis, having been out of the Senate now for quite a number of years, Jack Danforth believed it. And he, he was a supporter of Ronald Reagan. Reagan's slogan, nobody remembers this, but Reagan's slogan was, make America great again. I didn't remember that either. He did. He, it was make America great again. And Jack Danforth just couldn't see what was so great about piling up dead bodies by the side of the road. Yeah. In 1981, when I went to work for him, Fatalities in the United States were at more than 53,000. So I don't know offhand what percentage of the population that was, but that was an awful lot of people getting killed in car crashes. Right. Uh, really every day, every week. I mean, and I think the statistic was it was something like a, um, a Boeing 737 fully loaded with passengers crashing every week. You know, that's what you'd have to have to get wow. that many dead bodies. Wow. And he put his foot down and said, no, these airbags, this is a, big step forward in safety and we need them. But Jack also had a lot of trust in the companies that made all kinds of technology. He was a big advocate of the star Wars uh, plan that Reagan came up with, but he had a lot of trust that mm-hmm. these tech companies could um, come up with stuff. But what they, what he didn't count on and what nobody counted on was that people would try to would cheat. Yeah. And um, Takata learned early on that, it was, uh, you know, they could get away with cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, they made seat belts for years before they ever made any airbags. And um, in the late 80s, a little problem finally caught up with them. Uh, their seat belts, if they were exposed to sunlight, the plastic would deteriorate and the belts would pop open in a crash. Uh-oh. And people were getting killed because of that. And Takata basically hid it. And uh, when finally they had to fess up to it, they waited about six years. Uh, before they finally fessed up, they went into the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration 
and said, okay, we're going to go ahead and recall these vehicles. Now, of course, none of those vehicles were in the hands of the original owners. They knew that those recall notices were going to go all kinds of places, but not very many of them were going to reach owners, and so not many repairs were going to be required. Right. Uh, and the uh, government said, well, all right, well, um, write us a check. You're fine. And this is this is in killer airbags in, in detail. Your fine is fifty thousand dollars. That's it. That is sofa cushion change. Yeah. And that in that way, our government taught Takata that it if you delay okay long cheat. enough, you're gonna get away with it and you're gonna make a lot more money because you're not gonna be doing those repairs. Whoa. Wow. Incredible. Just sickening, really. Wow. Well, uh, another crazy, crazy story. I mean, again, you got to get your hands on this book because I think it will be very, very enlightening. Jerry, I always ask my guest this question. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would you be? Oh, if I were a vehicle? Yeah. Um, I'd like to think I'm an Audi with a Quattro system, but I've got my feet Firmly planted on the ground, nice, uh, and that uh, I can move quickly, and uh, that I can stay on the ground while I'm doing it. I like it. Well thought through. Well, um, we're running a little bit long, but I do want to get you to what I call the last lap, a little bit of a lightning round. So I'll ask for for some really quick answers to these questions as I pop through them. And let's start with this first one. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? I think just sticking to facts. Uh, yeah, I've always appreciated facts. How about if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? Oh, gosh. Wouldn't it be fun to sit down with Henry Ford? <laughs> He's the number one answer to that question. Yes, most definitely. Well, although I'd have to say Lee Iacocca yes, is the man, one. and this is also described in the book. He went to the White House and convinced Richard Nixon to kill the airbag requirement back in the early 70s. And it was recorded by one of the bugs in the office. So several years later, the actual transcript was released of his conversation with Nixon. And yet later on, Iacocca became a big advocate of airbags and even paid for ads that said, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Mm, So I'll have to amend my answer. I think I would rather sit down with Lee Iacocca and hear the story of how he went from being such a diehard anti-airbag person to... uh, working so hard and spending so much money to uh, to uh, get people to buy cars with airbags in them. That would be an interesting story. When it comes to automotive advice that someone shared with you, what was that? I guess this goes back to the safety issue. Um, when I first, you know, at the age of 16, when I got my driver's license, my father, who had a younger brother who died in a car crash, told me simply this, all it takes is one second and you can be dead yeah, to be careful out there. You know, you talked earlier about a great resource, and I want to mention it again because I do ask my guests about resource, resources. And I'm going to put a couple links up on Jerry Shono's page uh, to a couple videos that you definitely should watch. But could you remind our listeners where they can go to learn more about this, to put their VIN in? You talked about an app and a website. Yes, uh, go to killerairbags.com. And if you scroll down about two-thirds of the way, you will find two different ways to check your VIN. One is the official, will take you to the official government site where you have to have all 17 digits. It'll also explain to you where, where you find them. Mm-hmm. But you'll have to type them in exactly right and run it and, and uh, see what kind of 
uh, hits you get back if you get a, a hit back on it. And the other is uh, an uh, iPhone app. And there's a link there that takes you to the Apple Store so that you can buy that. You'll also see a couple of public service announcements, one by a woman named Stephanie Erdman, who took her Honda into her repair shop for various things four times, during which not once did they mention to her that she had a killer airbag in her steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And she was in a small, an old fender bender, and was damn near killed. And if you see the it, pictures it, in the horrific. public service announcement, it is horrific. Oh, it's just terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and right. the other is Morgan Freeman. Uh, there's a video of Morgan Freeman, uh, and I don't know of any place else on the web where you can find both of these things on the same page. But there's a Morgan Freeman uh, video. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out who paid for it, but it's pretty effective because you know Morgan Freeman just has that voice that I don't yes. have. Yes, that's just so reassuring to people and and so urgent. And it's a wonderful uh, PSA. I'll make sure I put links to all of this on Jerry's show notes page. Please, please, listeners, share this with family members. Go to this site. Put your VIN in there. Uh, being all car folks, we know where our VINs are. We know how to find them. Type them in the right order because I, I will admit the first time I put one of my cars in, it didn't pop up. And I went, what the heck? Well, I transposed two numbers. So uh, pay attention to that. Yeah. And uh, please, please, please pay attention to this. And I always ask guests about books. Obviously, we're going to promote this book about killer airbags. I'll put a link to where you can get a copy of this. And again, uh, Jerry's been so gracious. We're going to give away 10 copies of this book here to any, uh, or not, I shouldn't say to any, but if you subscribe, I'll be giving away tens of thousands <laughs> of books. Holy cow. I say, Jerry, I need you to mail some more books for me. Um, we're going to give away 10 copies. Just go to carsyeah.com, t- uh, click on the free book button. I'll send you my free filler up book. It's an ebook and your name will be in a hat and we'll be giving these books away uh, over the next couple weeks. Really, really important. And a couple other books that Jerry recommended and I would recommend too, of course, uh, Fight Club. Great book. Uh, get your hands on it. I'll put a link to that little video segment where he talks about that equation we discussed and uh, of course, uh, Ralph Nader's Unsafe at Any Speed, another great book as well. But it's also, it's very, it's very hard to find. You'll almost surely have to go to your library, but it's worth it just to see how little it's Yeah, absolutely. And I always tell my listeners here, your library is an incredible resource where you can actually get my wife gets them all week long, free eBooks sent right to your tablet for free. All you have to do is get a library card. A lot of people don't know this exists. You can get movies from them too. Um, Use your tax dollars wisely. The libraries around this country are incredible resources, all for free, and you can get free books from them as well, sent right to your tablet, which is really cool. All right, Jerry, we're up to the checkered flag. This last question, I'm going to buy you a very cool, fun, collectible card today. doesn't matter who owns it or where it is or how much it costs. I'm going to buy it for you. A couple rules, as we always say here. It's got to be a card that you'll drive, you'll enjoy. Uh, it's the only one cool collector car you can have in your garage, uh, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, so that little trick's off the table for a, a smart attorney like you. What car could I buy you today, Jerry? I'm curious to see how these... Um cars with electronic assist, like the Audi Q5, mm-hmm. uh, e-tron. I'd be really curious to see how those drive. Okay. It's, it's on my list of things I might actually buy. That's not really a collector's item now. It might be it could sometime be. in the future. <laughs> well, that's okay. I bought a, a couple newer supercars for people. So that sounds like a great car. And Audi's making some really wonderful looking cars. I know my next door neighbor bought his wife a new Audi a year or so ago, and I'm really impressed by it. 
I've driven it, looking at it up close. I love the looks of the Audis. I was following one this morning um, and saying to my son, that, that thing looked kind of cool. I just like the stance. They just look good. So Audi Q5 e-tron. All right, I'll get that for you. What color would you like that to be? A dark blue. Dark blue. Okay, there you go. I'll do it. I'll give you a dress to send the keys to. Okay, there you <laughs> go. Absolutely. I might just drive it to visit you since you're across the country. It'll take a little road trip this summer since uh, you know we've all, we've yeah. all been on lockdown. So uh, we got to get outside and see the world. Jerry, you've taken us on a very interesting and safe drive today. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing this incredibly important life-saving information with my listeners. Again, listeners, share this, please, with your friends. You never know. A life you could save could be someone you just met mentioned this too. I even reached out to uh, uh, the buyer of a car that I sold a couple of years ago just to make sure that that recall happened on his car because maybe he didn't get that in the mail. Thankfully, it had been done because his young teenage daughter drives that car. I want to thank you, Jerry, for sharing this incredibly important book with us. Before I let you go, though, could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance? Just that you are a hero for getting this word out oh, well, thank to people you. because people's lives will be saved. This information will get to people and their lives will be saved because they will check when they otherwise would not have checked. Because of what you've done here, people will check and their lives will be saved by it. And that is just spectacular. That is heroic. So thank you very much. Well, you got the ball rolling. I'm just happy to carry it along here uh, to my very important listeners here. So again, the book is Killer Airbags, The Deadly Secret Automakers Don't Want You to Know. All the links are here. Uh, Even if you don't buy the book, you can go to the website, learn how to protect yourself and your family members. Do not wait another day. Do it today. You could save a life. Jerry, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing this amazing story. I'm so happy you did not throw those notes in the fireplace and you wrote this book. No doubt you've made a tremendous impression on so many people. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. I'll look forward to it. You're welcome. And again, Get your name in the hat to win one of these 10 copies that Jerry's giving away. Just go to the website, click on my free book button, and I'll send you my filler-up book. You never know. Today, you could be a winner just by listening to this show. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars Yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!